Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Thursday, April 8th. Today on the show, some good news for Vanderbilt basketball recruiting. The Masters get started, and Justin Graver of Broadway Sports Media starts to break down some NFL prospects for the Titans to target at number 22. But we begin with Adam Vingen of The Athletic explaining exactly what the strategy should be for the Nashville Predators around the NHL trade deadline. The 440 is brought to you every single morning for free by the Kingston Group, Nashville's locally owned, award-winning, custom home and remodeling firm. My family uses the Kingston Group, so why wouldn't you use the Kingston Group? Is there anything else you need to know? Now, I am not telling you to go out and spend a boatload of money on a brand new house or a giant remodel or a a totally new kitchen or a brand new garage or whatever. But when you do, make sure you check out the Kingston Group. Because a decision like that should make you money and make you happy. And the Kingston Group wants to make sure that takes place. Go to the website, buildkg.com. Check out their work, buildkg.com. The Kingston Group. The Nashville Predators are still holding on for the final playoff spot in the Central Division. They are back on the ice Thursday night against the Red Wings with another two critical points hanging in the balance with Chicago and Columbus and Dallas chasing them down. The trade deadline is just three games away on Monday, April 12th, and the Nashville Predators brass have a lot of difficult decisions in the next couple of days. Which pieces can you still move? Which players can you still trade to acquire future assets while also maintaining a push for the playoffs and you're standing in the Central Division? So let's bring in the Athletics' Adam Vingen to give us his answer on what the Predators should do at the trade deadline. If you know that Matt Duchesne is going to be back next week or in a week and a half and Philip Forsberg is going to be back in a week and a half or two weeks, that plus the fact that a player like Ellie Tolvanen has emerged, I think... Mikhail Granlund is expendable. Like, I don't believe that the Predators' playoff chances hinge on Mikhail Granlund. Like, I don't see a trade of Mikhail Granlund as the equivalent of waving a white flag. And we've seen teams in the past do this. You know, I think of the St. Louis Blues, uh, the year that they traded Paul Stasny to the Winnipeg Jets, which would, would have been 2018. So I, I don't see trading Mikhail Granlund as some sort of admission that the season is going in the wrong direction or that the ownership or management doesn't think this team could still compete for a playoff spot. I just think that when you consider the players who are coming back from injury, you know, potentially soon, you think about the young players that have stepped up in the absence of those injured players, you know, Mikhail Granlund to me is expendable. The same goes for players like Nick Cousins and Eric Holla. Yep. Mikhail Granlund is just the most valuable of those players. And what's interesting is, you know, I was talking to somebody, a, a pro scout for another team the other day, and I asked him if Eric Stahl, who had a bad season for a bad team uh, in Buffalo, uh, was worth a third and fifth round draft pick from Montreal, what should Mikhail Granlin be worth? My my working theory was that Granlin would be worth more because Granlin has been better this season and he's played a more significant role on a, on a, on a team that is figuring it out. And the scout told me, he thinks that Granlund is in the same range value wise as stall, if not slightly more valuable. And he told me that if the predators were able to get a third round pick for Mikhail Granlund, they should jump through, they should be jumping through hoops. Yeah. I don't think that is a reflection on Mikhail Granlund, the player. I just think it's where the market is right now. 
That was Adam Vingan of The Athletic for a more in-depth and more thorough conversation about what the Predators should be doing this weekend as the trade deadline approaches with just three games to go. Please check out the show. Again, gold standard. Everywhere podcasts are found, myself and Adam Vingan. Please rate, review, and subscribe. We are just a couple of weeks away from the NFL draft, and it's time to start looking at some of the prospects that the Titans could be looking at and taking and scouting for the 22nd overall pick in the first round. Over the course of the next few weeks, we are going to talk with Broadway Sports Media's Justin Graver at Titans Film Room on Twitter and host of Music City Audible podcast as we look at all the different positions that the Titans could target with the first round. We're going to talk about edge rusher. We're going to talk about offensive line. We're going to talk about wide receiver. But today, I want to talk about defensive back and specifically cornerback. What should the Titans' strategy be when it comes to addressing this position in the NFL Draft this year? And who the Titans should target should they decide to take a corner with the 22nd overall pick in the first round? So the most popular cornerback name I've seen mocked to the Titans is J.C. Horn, South Carolina. But I am skipping him because I don't think he's going to be there at 22. So the guys I like there, I think the, the best option, honestly, is going to be Greg Newsom, the second out of Northwestern. He just pops off the screen. I mean, he's got great length great ability. He only had one career interception, but he had 20 pass breakups in 17 career games. He ran a 4.3940 and a 40-inch vertical, so he's got the athleticism you need to play outside corner. The big issue here, I think, is that he's injury prone. It's a, a lot of small, nagging, kind of soft tissue injuries, the kind that you get scared might crop up for the rest of his career. So I could see John Robinson, after some comments he made earlier this offseason about finding players who are available... I could see him passing on a guy like Greg Newsom. I also like, this may be contradictory a little bit, but Caleb Farley, I know he has the back surgery. He's had two back procedures in the last, I think, in the last year or maybe the last two years. So that's kind of scary, but this guy is an elite athlete. And if you look at what the Titans did when they drafted Jeffrey Simmons, they took a value player who was sliding down the boards because of medical concerns. So it will obviously depend on how he checks out. They're going to do medical rechecks in Indianapolis. If he checks out, I actually think, I think that's like a sneaky, likely option for the Titans there because John Robinson has shown that he doesn't mind taking a guy who he thinks is an elite talent that's recovering from some kind of injury. And I think Farley would be a top 12, top 15 pick if he wasn't dealing with this issue. No, from a recruiting standpoint and a pedigree standpoint, Farley and Simmons are very much in the same boat. There's no question about that. Strategy with defensive back. Obviously, you're looking at an outside guy if you're drafting him in the first round. Do they come back later and try to get a slot depth piece later on? Or do you, if they go corner in the first round, do you think they're done there at that position? I could see them doing it because there's just so little depth, at least young depth at the position. I mean, you got Janoris Jenkins and Kevin Johnson are, I guess right now, cornerback two and cornerback three. And I don't really feel good about either of those guys having to play a lot of snaps. Jenkins might be good. He was pretty good last year, but he's just, he's going to be 33 years old, 32, 33 years old this year. You never know what's going to happen at that age. And Kevin Johnson, if he has to play, the Titans are in trouble. I mean, he's <laughs> actively bad. So a guy like Elijah Molden is everybody's favorite slot corner prospect out of Washington could be an option in the third round. I think why not go out and draft two corners, get a day one guy or day two guy, and then get a day three guy that could be like a special teams player as a rookie and develop into a slot or an outside, like a LaShawn Sims type of guy who can like play good snaps, but you never have to rely on him. I absolutely think that that's what you should do. I think you should be drafting defensive backs every year because you never have enough defensive backs. They get injured all the time. It's a passing league. You need, sometimes you play the Ravens and you go five defensive backs on the field for the whole game or whatever because that's how they defended Lamar Jackson. But yeah, I, I could see it. I would be in favor of it. 
That was Justin Graver of Broadway Sports Media at Titans Film Room on Twitter, of course, and host of the Music City Audible podcast. Go check out that show. Please rate, review, and subscribe as well. We're going to have Justin on periodically over the course of the next few weeks to really dive into some of these options for the Tennessee Titans as it pertains to the NFL draft. So we do appreciate his time. Again, go check him out on Twitter at Titans Film Room and make sure you listen to the show, Music City Audible, the podcast from Broadway Sports Media right here on the 440 Sports Network. It was a big recruiting night for Vanderbilt basketball and head coach Jerry Stackhouse as 2022 five-star Lee Dort and 2022 four-star Noah Shelby both committed to Vanderbilt. They are teammates and easily the biggest recruiting victories for Jerry Stackhouse so far as his tenure as the Vanderbilt head basketball coach. The number one biggest complaint of Jerry Stackhouse is not his coaching ability or how hard his teams play, but his ability to recruit. He's made some changes and some tweaks to his coaching staff, and it's already starting to pay dividends. It was a huge Wednesday evening in recruiting for the Doors. But I did say 2022, not 2021, which means these guys won't be on campus until Jerry Stackhouse's fourth season. Either way, it's good news for Vanderbilt. It is the Thursday following the College Basketball National Championship game which means a tradition unlike any other gets started today at Augusta National. The 2021 Masters, back in April, back in the spring, where it belongs. Dustin Johnson is your defending champion. He is plus 950 and is the favorite to repeat this year. Watch the azaleas bloom and see if you can find one blade of grass that's out of place. I dare you. Thank you guys all for listening. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall, at 440 Sports, at 440 Media on Instagram as well. Make sure you check out all the other pods. All over the place here. We got Club and Country, Nashville SC with Wes Bowling and Tim Sullivan every Tuesday. We got the Gold Standard with myself and Adam Vingan, as you heard, every Wednesday. Fringe Element SEC Podcast with myself and Aaron Dugan every Thursday. And Lamestream Sports with this week, Matt Miller, great NFL draft scout coming out on Friday. So make sure you check out Lamestream Sports with Steve Cavendish on Fridays, all from the 440 Sports Network. Of course, the 440 is brought to you by the Kingston Group. The wonderful friends and folks over at the Kingston Group, Nashville's award-winning custom home and remodeling firm. When you are ready to do a major remodel or build a custom home, make sure you get the right people for the job. Check out the Kingston Group's work, their process. It's all about alignment. It's all about your vision. It's all about making it happen on budget, on plan, and on time. Check out the website, buildkg.com. That's buildkg.com. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.